This is Alex Moskowitz of the Emery Wheel and Aaron Perlstein of BPA Hoops. You're listening to the Sixth Man Podcast on Anchor.fm. Welcome back, folks, to our fifth episode of Season 2 of the Sixth Man Podcast, solely focused on the National Basketball Association. So finally, we, the fans of the NBA, have received confirmation that there will be a champion crowned for the 2019-20 season. Better late than never, am I right? Saturday night, the regular season schedule was, was released, with play beginning on July 31st. Despite confirmation of the restart, Commissioner Adam Silver acknowledged the risks associated with playing in the Orlando bubble, given the coronavirus threat that we currently face in the United States. So Aaron, what are some of the precautions that the NBA is taking in order to keep their players safe? Yeah, so I mean, first of all, it's everything from, uh, you know, testing every day to how many caddies or if you can have caddies on the golf course in Disney world, you know, they're really regulating everything to make sure that there really is no outbreak. Um, first of all, I mean, they're regulating the video games, you know, first, uh, there's going to be a room for video games and players have to keep six feet of six feet of distance. They can't have headsets because that's a easy way to spread uh, germs. Uh, if they want to play ping pong, they can, but they have to play singles, not doubles. Uh, they have to, wipe down the table before they play and after they play. They want to play golf. They can't share equipment. There can be no caddies. Um, I mean, and also... If only we followed those same rules. Right, exactly. Uh, you know, their extended family can't come on, come into the bubble until the first round of the playoffs, and they'll be tested daily as well. Um, you know, they're, they're really trying to think of every single way that anything can be, um, you know, given to other people. Uh, additionally, uh, a big question that Adam Silver got multiple times was what happens if someone gets it? You know, I feel like it's a little bit inevitable, especially because of just the rapid spread that we've seen and the rapid spread we've seen in Florida in the couple in the last couple of days. Um, and he said that they're the first person that's going to get it or the amount of people that will get it will be treated as an injury. Um, they will be quarantined. They can't come out of their room whoever they'll do contact tracing, but unless there's a huge outbreak, they're still going to resume play and continue to play because they're just going to act like it's an injury. Um, that's, that's kind of their, their mentality. Unless there's a huge outbreak, then they're playing, there's going to be games every single day. Um, you know, the players, there are three different hotels that teams are in. Uh, they're not really supposed to go see other people you know, I, I listed out what they can do when they're when they're not playing. Um, and that's kind of it. You know, people think that this is going to be just something fun for them. But, you know, they're really under uh, strict protocol. That's interesting. You know, the NBA applying extremely stringent me- uh, measures in order to make sure that the coronavirus doesn't spread within this bubble. So given that these measures seem extremely strict, 
you mentioned the fact that uh, that extended family. So how many family members uh, will be allowed to quarantine with them in this bubble originally be before the first round of the playoffs? I, uh, no one will be allowed to be with them in the beginning. It will be their immediate family that will be allowed to be with them after the first round of the playoffs. Um, you know, they, so they not would, even their wife and kids? No, that's the whole thing. That's a lot of players that are a lot of um, personnel. That, that was my next question. Yeah, there are a lot of people that are deciding that it's not worth the risk. Um, you know, there's going to be no fans in attendance. There will be no one that will be allowed to be in the stands. You know, I heard Kyrie Irving, you know, he's out for the season. I don't think he'll be allowed to come to the games. Um, they're really just thinking of every single thing. And people who don't have to be at the game will not be at the game. It's interesting. So why are they even doing this? Is it just uh, because they've lost billions just to of satisfy, dollars of revenue? Exactly. Is it just to satisfy broadcast contracts? Yeah, I mean it's it's a business. You know, it's kind of plausible. You know, they've shown that there's an ability to do it if everyone follows the strict protocol, and if they can get back any of that money that they've lost, they'd love to. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So, so I mean. Who are the players that have already come out and said that they are not going to play given these measures? Yeah, so first of all, they did obviously the initial test of every single player in the NBA, of uh, the 302 players that are in the NBA, and 16 came back positive. So that's, a, that's roughly 5%. Um, which well, is, 302 players that will be participating in the restart. Right. Because the eight teams won't be part right. of Right, okay, true, true. Roughly, um, that's roughly 5%, which is exactly what the – CDC and the NBA expected from a population like that. Um, and some of the players that are decided not to play, like Avery Bradley, uh, he just decided that, you know, he has three children. Um, he wants to be with his family and it's just not worth it. Uh, DeAndre Jordan found out because he, w- he got tested of the 300 players. He has the COVID-19 and he decided to not go with uh, any of the recommendations and try and, you know, self-quarantine, he just decided he's not going to play. Another one, Trevor Ariza. Um, he has a visitation period with his son, uh, who I believe is uh, incarcerated, and he wants he doesn't want to miss that. Um, I think there was a custody battle between okay. the wife and Trevor, and okay. the wife is only allowing Trevor one to see the Got son it. for one month. That's and, crazy. of course, that coincides with the, the time period that he's supposed to play Okay. Well, I respect Trevor for that. Um, I do completely. That, that is a completely legitimate reason. Shows the type yeah. of character and the type of man that he is. Yep. And then we get to some different kinds of, uh, you know, Davis Bertans. I don't understand this one. I mean, obviously he's a free agent this year, but he has a history of ACL injuries. Uh, he doesn't want to jeopardize his health. Uh, to me, that's cowardness. Um, I understand that this is a stressful time for everyone, but He's a young guy. Um, if you're really worried about health like that, you shouldn't be in the NBA in period. But I understand. Exactly. You know, he likes, so he, he has a free agency coming out. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the question that I have to ask is if the Wizards were still in the playoff hunt like they are now during the regular season, would he sit out the last eight games just to make sure they didn't get injured? Right. Exactly. Uh, Willie Collie Stein. That doesn't have to do with coronavirus. Yeah, he's expecting to have a newborn child in July, so he's not going to play. Wilson Chandler, uh, he's an unrestricted free agent. He'd rather spend time with his family. Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, he also 
tested positive for COVID-19 and is showing symptoms, which is rare in these uh, athletes. And so he's not sure what he's going to do, but he's going to try and play. DeMarcus Cousins, he's still recovering from that torn ACL, and he wants to play next year. Marv Albert, uh, obviously, it would be great to hear Marv's voice, but I think he's making a very wide decision. He's 79 years old. He doesn't want to take the risk. I think that's really smart. And then Nikola Jokic, I mean, he's up in the air. Uh, the Nuggets depart for Orlando on Tuesday, and he's still in Serbia. So uh, he, he says he's still coming, but, you know, there is a question marks because I'm not really sure why he's not in the United States yet. Wow, that would be quite a blow to Denver's hopes of making a run of the playoffs this year. Yeah, because they're right in the thick of or right in the thick of the of the Western Conference battle. Yeah, and I mean, without Jokic, they have no chance. Mm-hmm. Even it's, with it's, Jokic, it's they face an uphill battle against the Lakers and the Clippers. But yeah, without him, you forget about it. And Jokic is looking pretty good too. Looks like yeah. he's lost some Slim. weight. He's in good shape. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting. I'm not sure why he's not in the United States. And then so obviously, who these, yeah, who are these teams signing? Right. To replace those so players? they've said this months ago, especially with the protests and everything, and a lot of players coming out and saying they were unsure if they wanted to play. Adam Silver came out and said that the team will have a period to sign players that are free agents to make up for that. They're not going to end the season. They're not going to postpone the season. You can just sign new players. Uh, so obviously. We Jalen Adams, um, <clears throat> second year point guard out of UCLA. Uh, he's no, out of UConn. With... Go Huskies! Oh yeah, he's there's no Jalen Adams from UCLA. Yes, uh, he uh, he will be going to the Portland Trailblazers. Justin Anderson, um, longtime player in the NBA, be going to the Nets. Ryan Brokeroff to Sixers, big, big nice shooter. J.R. Smith, obviously to the Lakers. That's the one. Dude, he heard and of. Kirk Maz are gonna light it up. We'll see. For they have. And then my favorite, Luke and Bamute to the Rockets. I've always loved Mbamute. You know, he's a hard, nitty-gritty player that goes for every ball, and I think he'll really help the Rockets' second unit. Uh, so, you know, that's all that we've heard to this point, especially if more players, uh, you know, drop out. They'll have to sign new players. But that's, uh, that's the new roster spots right now. Yeah, Luke and Bamute is a good, solid player. He actually played for the Rockets two years ago. I think he played 65 games, provided good defense, uh, hot and cold shooting. And I think he'll provide a, a relatively big boost for them off the bench, at least amongst all the new signings that you announced. Mm-hmm. And I also think J.R. Smith is a pretty big signing. I don't think he can replace what Avery Bradley brings, you know, not in the slightest, because Avery Bradley is one of the best defensive point guards in the entire NBA. But JR has shown an ability to make shots in the clutch like he did back in 2016 with the Cavs in Game 7 against the Warriors. Being yep. able to knock down shots, play the two and the three. We'll see how much le- he has left in the tank because he's kind of an old man at this point, but we'll see. So mm-hmm. given the schedule was released, what are some big games that you were looking forward to? Uh, I'm excited for opening night, Lakers, Clippers, Jazz, Pelicans. You know, I, I, not only because those are great matchups, I'm just excited to see the kind of intensity they're going to play with. I'm interested to see what kind of game it's going to be, if people are rusty, if, you know, anything kind of changes within how they, you know, just go about the game. Um, so that's what, what's interesting to me. 
Obviously, we see the Celtics Bucks the next night. Uh, there's a lot of games that are going to be super interesting, especially because this is the playoffs, uh, like playoff caliber teams. There's no real, you know, throwaway games. Yeah, it's it's honestly going to be very interesting. It's going to be exciting. I mean, the Lakers Clippers, that has become somewhat of a rivalry this year. And 100%. we'll see, you know, there was definitely a fair amount of tension during the games that they played at the Staples Center. Fans getting very into it had a playoff-like environment with both teams buckling down on defense and playing extremely hard. So we'll see if that carries over to the first game of the NBA restart. And, you know, LeBron, AD against Paul George and Kawhi, what could be better? And then we get to see Zion. And against the much-talked-about, fractured, fragmented Utah Jazz Mm -hmm. with their rift with the rift between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert over the fact that Rudy Gobert was not careful when coronavirus was first starting to spread. Yes, he was not ultimately careful. infected but him. I do think he's getting too much hate for that. I, I agree. He's also donated people, a lot People of don't money. know. No, he's donated don't. a lot of money to COVID-19 causes, which is... Of course, but we've never been able to actually track where it's coming from. That's never been a case. So, yeah, Rudy Gobert might have – he was really dumb. That's, you know, beside the fact that, like, when he touched the microphones, all that kind of stuff, that was really dumb of him. But, you know, there's a small chance Donovan Mitchell gave it to him. You don't know. So, I understand he was being reckless, but, you know, I think that they can get moved past this. I agree. But we'll see – we'll see that the dynamic between the two players on full display in the first game against Zion and the – exciting up-and-coming Pelicans. Yeah, but also that Zion would be one of the three players headlining 2K21. Yes. He is the In his gen. second year, he's headlining yeah. the game. Yeah. Incredible. Uh, and also, if our readers didn't know, all of these games will be televised on TNT, NBA TV, ESPN. So every single game will be um, nationally televised. It's exciting. So... We both have had a look at the schedules for each one of these 22 teams. So who are you picking out as some of your winners? Who's one winner? Uh, I mean, looking at the schedule right now, I like Boston. I mean, I think they're coming back healthy. Um, I think they're coming back with somewhat of an easier schedule. Obviously, they play Milwaukee first. But, you know, they have Portland <clears throat> and uh, – Miami, people like that that are on the lower end of the people of the teams that are coming back. Um, I think that this will allow them to kind of get into a groove compared to other teams that are playing really, really hard schedules in the beginning. And I also think, you know, they're young. Um, I think people don't understand that taking three months off of a rigorous schedule like the NBA, what that does to someone's body. Uh, you know, obviously these guys like LeBron James, all these people have personal gyms, but there are people, there are players that don't have access to those kind of things. And um, team gyms only opened up maybe a few weeks ago. So, you know, stamina, age, it's going to take a, going <clears> to <throat> be really important. And Boston's age and um, just continuous speed and pace on the court, I think it can really help them propel. I completely agree with you. I think fitness will be more of a factor in these playoffs than any playoff season before. Yeah. So for me, 
I think the Spurs are a winner. First two games off the bat are against teams ahead of them in the Kings and the Grizzlies. And within their eight-game regular season schedule, they avoid the cream of the crop in the NBA, the Lakers, Clippers, and the Bucks. So in my opinion, I think they have a good chance to sneak into that nine spot. I don't think they'll ultimately get up to the Grizzlies in the eight spot, but I think they'll be able to salvage the season and make sure that Popovich doesn't miss the playoffs for the first time well, yeah. in 1996, 1997. Yep. So that is one winner for me. Another team, I, would, I guess, is you know, the Clippers, uh, especially with Kawhi Leonard and all those players that do have access to a lot of personal gyms like we've seen. You know, they, they sat out a lot of games, a lot of the load management. Uh, they got three months of load management, if you could think about it that way. Um, so if they come back the way that they're expected to come back, I'd be very, very dumbfounded and, you know, upset with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard if they come back rusty and, uh, you know, out of shape because I think that they have every single ability to come back in tip-top shape and take over the league. Um, again, I mean, I first put the Denver Nuggets. You know, Jokic apparently is in great shape, lost a lot of pounds. He looks really slim. But from the sources here uh, uh, this morning, uh, what I've heard, we're still not sure if he's he's playing. I mean, people, Mike Malone thinks he's going to play, but, you know, he's still not on the plane to the United States yet. Yeah, I agree with all of your winners there. So, Aaron, take me to a few losers. Uh, first off, you know, this is, I'm going to say the Lakers. Um, I, first of all, I've never been a fan of having that many hotheads on one lineup. Deion Waiters, J.R. Smith, Kyle Kuzma, JaVale McGee, uh, Rajon Rondo. You know, that could be a recipe Seems for It's like turmoil. a combustible mix to me. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. But hopefully LeBron James keeps it tight knit. You know, he's had a reputation of being able to keep it together, keep his team together. But no one really understands how big of a loss Avery Bradley is. Um, he played 14 games for the Lakers. He was They were 13-1 and one in those games. Um, he is someone that is a huge relief from when Rajon Rondo leaves the court. Um, you know, he's defense that Alex Caruso doesn't have, Rajon Rondo doesn't have. They don't really have that kind of defense on the guard positions. You know, they have great forwards, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, JaVale McGee. They don't, if you think about their guards, they, haven't, they don't have great defense defensive-minded players, you know, they have Contavious Caldwell-Pope and people like that that are great on the offensive end. But the defensive end, Avery Bradley is the real um, anchor. And without him, they could, you know, look for – they could have a real big drop in their defensive impact. I completely agree with you because, obviously, you touched on the defensive aspect, but also the fact that he can shoot the three. Rajon Rondo, he's a good player. He's still a good player. Not the, not the player that he once was on the Celtics, but his main weakness is shooting the ball. And Anthony Davis and LeBron, they need shooters. They need space to operate. And Avery Bradley was able to provide that while providing elite defense. So I think losing him and even attempting to replace him with a non-natural ball handler and J.R. Smith, a guy who isn't as good of a defender, and given the slim margin that exists between them and the Clippers in terms of who's the best team in the Western Conference. The Bucks are up there, in my opinion, in that upper echelon of the NBA. The slim margin that exists between those three teams, Avery Bradley's absence could prove to be the difference 
between LeBron winning his fourth championship and Kawhi winning his third. Yep. Another uh, loser, I, I think, is Memphis. Um, you know, they obviously coming in the, as the eighth seed. Uh, you know, they have to go through the play-in bracket, which is definitely a, a loss for them. You know, they don't just get automatically into the playoffs as the eighth seed. That will be definitely tough, and they have a very hard schedule to start with. So if they lose a good amount and lose that eighth seed and they don't get the advantage that they usually get with the eighth seed in this play-in play bracket that they've created, it could be really tough for that young team. I completely agree. Memphis, like you said about fitness, the less games that you play in this setting, the better off you will be. Yep. So the fact that they possibly face one or two extra games just to get into the playoffs while the Lakers are resting, an incredible Lakers team is resting, just waiting for them. I think, I think John Morant's sensational rookie season will come to an end extremely quickly mm -hmm. another loser yep. for me obviously the brooklyn nets been decimated by injuries the hoopla that has been caused by kyrie irving attempting to throw this restart into he failed complete shambles spencer dinwiddie another really good player who's really emerged in the void that kyrie irving has left at point guard he is COVID-19. He's not sure if he's going to play. DeAndre Jordan, who was a very good backup center for them, played a lot of meaningful minutes, averaged eight points, 10 rebounds per game. He's gone because of COVID-19. Kevin Durant's not playing, obviously. So, I mean, they're screwed. There is no chance that they will make a run in the playoffs. They're going to get bounced quickly, and that will be the end of a – of an underwhelming first season for the Nets, given that people had extremely high hopes for them coming into the season, including you. I mean, I predicted that they, that wouldn't, they wouldn't make, make the, playoffs. the playoffs. Right. I could remember I that predicted you said that. that. And Ariel Hawani, he, he, he was somewhere in the middle of me and you because you predicted that, that, that they were going to get to the five seed, kind of make some noise in the Eastern Conference. Well, I wasn't assuming Kyrie Irving was going to sit out like he usually does. You know, he sat out a but lot. But even this with year. Kyrie Irving, they weren't that good, really. If you look at their splits, Dinwiddie has really emerged in his absence, and they've probably been playing as good, if not better. Obviously, you already knew, everybody knew that Kevin Durant would miss the entire season. Mm -hmm. So that was assumed. And people expected Kyrie to, to take that big step up and become a leader and guide the Nets to a similar record to the one that they had last year with D'Angelo Russell, you know, at the head of the ship, running the show. But Kyrie Irving, due to injuries, inconsistency, wasn't able to do that. And you see it with Brooklyn's subpar record at 30-34. and 34, And ultimately, they probably will have to – the Magic are only a half game behind them in the standings yep. at 30-35. So they could definitely face the playing game. Yep. And what will happen with them and the Wizards, you know? We'll see how the Nets come out of this, and either way, uh, I think they're going to be going home pretty quickly from the bubble. They're not going to spend too much time at Disneyland. Mm -hmm. So, as part of our debate slate segment, we're going to feature the comments that Kendrick Perkins recently made. He recently said 
that the Raptors and Celtics are the favorites to come out of the Eastern Conference. So, Aaron, who do you see as the favorite to come out of the hotly contested Eastern Conference? Yes, I mean, obviously, uh, I've thought about this a lot. And uh, thinking about this, I've kind of thought, you know, didn't take uh, the Bucks' dominance into account into in the regular season. But, you know, I, I don't know if that's going to translate to dominance in this uh, setting. Uh, I think, like I said, the Celtics, that young core, that really might be a different, <clears throat> might be a huge impact for their success. Uh, I think the Raptors, like Kendrick said, uh, you know, might really make a turn because they have a great young core. Uh, I bet they're conditioning and, you know, Canada hasn't been as bad as the United States, so they could have had a real good impact. Uh, yeah, and they also think, have experience in leadership, so you could see them. Yeah, know. and I mean, think about it. Think about the conditioning that they could have had if, I mean, Canada wasn't that bad. So um, maybe things were op more open for them. And, uh, you know, I do want to say the Sixers, but people don't, like, everyone wants to say, oh, Joel Embiid would destroy the Celtics. Joel Embiid would destroy this. <clears throat> Ennis Cantor and Daniel Tice, who are kind of renowned as, one of the worst back uh, front court defenders in the league together. They in three games and be shot almost 32% against them. Uh, so they might have, the, it might have his number. Um, and I think it's, it's really up in the air. Uh, I think I'm going to have to see, you know, I, I don't think I can really see, say a specific answer right now. I mean, in my opinion, the Milwaukee Bucks have to be the favorite to come out of the Eastern Conference. No question. I mean, this year, more than ever, given the lack of recent game time, I mean, fitness will be of the utmost importance to teams, like you said before. So the less games you play early on in the schedule, given that they are playing back-to-backs, playing three games in four nights, the better you will be deep in the playoffs. I mean, the Bucks. They have a six-game lead at the top of the Eastern Conference. So they're going to lock that up. They are a lock for the number one seed. So they can pick and choose when they play their best players during the regular season in order to get them best conditioned for the playoffs. Then you look at their potential first-round opponent. You look at the Magic, the Wizards, the Nets. Nets decimated by injuries. Wizards and Magic, Bucks were 5-0 and combined against them in the regular season. It's going to be sweep. Get out the brooms already. That's done. Then you look at their next potential opponents based on current seeding. I could definitely see the Sixers moving up to the 4-5 or five spot, and that would be a tougher matchup for the Bucks. The Sixers will give them a battle. But based on current seeding, you look at Miami – and Indiana, they don't even pose a threat to the Bucs. Miami was really falling off towards the end of the regular season. And they also, like, I mean, they solely rely, or they used to solely rely on their home court advantage. Indiana, you know, 39 and 26. That's not a team that's going to challenge the Bucs. So then... Once you get past those two teams, you look at Celtics or Raptors. And those two teams will give the Bucs a battle, no doubt. They're both good teams with experience, 
mixed with really good young talent. But the Bucks with Giannis, the shooting of Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, I think they are a shoe-in to make the finals this year and face either the Lakers or the Clippers. I, th- I think the biggest thing is people are underestimating just how different everything will be. Um, and yeah, obviously, if this was four months ago, I would have said, you're probably right. You know, Bucks versus Lakers or Bucks versus Clippers is the presumed NBA finals. But I think a lot of things will be different. Um, you know, the Celtics clearly have the easiest schedule coming in. Yeah, they're playing the Bucks. But then they go play the Trailblazers, the Heat, the Nets, uh, the Magic, the Grizzlies, and the Wizards. And then they play the Raptors once. That's their whole schedule, their regular season schedule. That's crazy. Exactly. So you're going to tell me that they, they might not get a whole rhythm and groove from that, from that compared to other single uh, other team schedules? Like uh, looking at the Pacers, they have to play the Sixers, the Lakers, the Rockets, the Heat twice. Um, you know, people i really think that the beginning will make a huge impact and less and a bigger impact than people think they will and that's why i'm not as sure as i was when the regular season was going on like how how will i really you know come out i i agree with you that i think this restart will solidify the top 4 teams in the eastern conference for sure and set them apart the sixers celtics raptors and bucks but the Bucs have a six-game lead right. on the number two Raptors. So there is no pressure that they won't get the number one seed. Well, they could get the number one seed, but they have to produce on the, in, in the play, playoff bracket. Of course, but like you talked about the Celtics getting their rhythm, the Bucs will also be able to find their rhythm Hopefully. against probably better opposition. Mm-hmm. So they'll be able to find their rhythm – not have to play all their stars and get them back to full fitness so that they can produce in the playoffs. Right. I do think if the Celtics get to the number two seed, get to the Raptors and get to the number two seeds, I think they could pose a huge threat to the Bucs. But with the Raptors currently in the number two seed, I think they're up by three games. The Celtics would currently have to play the Sixers in the first round. Right. It's a tough matchup. It's going to be a battle, a physical battle. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take its toll. Just given what you said about the importance of playing less games and maintaining your fitness, given that guys haven't played regular games, they're not going to have the regular lead-up that happens to each NBA season. So right. that's why I think the top teams are an are in an even better position now than they would be. Because mm-hmm. obviously in previous years, you had the Warriors as the upper echelon, the Cavs in the Eastern Conference until last year. But there was very little competition amongst the conferences outside of the Rockets. Right. But it was, I mean, the fact that the Warriors and the Cavs played in four straight finals, like, there was little competition. Right. But I think given that the Bucs, you know, the Bucs, the fact that they are so far ahead, you have the Clippers and the Lakers, loaded Western Conference. I think that will also take a toll on the Lakers and the Clippers. Mm-hmm. So 
I mean, I think the Bucks are a shoe in to make the finals. And I think the Celtics, I, I can't see the Raptors, you know, I can't see them repeating right. their magic. Right. I just can't see it. I don't think they have enough scoring. Probably. I just don't think they're good enough. But yeah, I mean, I definitely we, see the, the Celtics or Sixers rivaling the Bucks and making it tough on them in the Eastern Conference Finals. Right. But they're all going to have to go through each other. Yep. It's a lot of competition. It's very even. Yep. And the Bucks will be standing there unscathed because they'll have to play the Heat, who really don't pose a threat. I mean, we Pacers. always think that. But, yeah. No, I hear you. I mean, I think the biggest uh, conclusion people should take from what we've talked about here uh, is this is not – you know, free sailing for everyone. You know, it's not like, like, obviously it's amazing for society to get a distraction from everything going on with the, <clears throat> with the NBA, but it's a lot of stress, a lot of animosity, a lot of protocol that a lot of people have to deal with. Uh, it's going to be complicated, uh, exhilarating, you know, unprecedented ideas that we've never seen. It's a journey that it's new to everyone and might impact players, games, players, usage rate, things like that. And uh, people really have to take that into account. I completely agree with you. And I want to add on to that. Like you talked about the motivation of the players will be questioned because it's not like a regular NBA playoff season. It's, not. it's just not like that. So you not. have to question these guys' motivation and who really wants it. Yep. And the Bucks facing the heartbreak that they did, losing to – obviously Sixers did too, but – the Bucks losing in six games, coming back this season even better than before, despite them being the number one seed last year. Right. Giannis right. coming back even better. I think they will be a focused bunch and be able to drown out the noise. Yep. Because that will be important. It will. Mm -hmm. You have to maintain focus. Because yep. there will be more obstacle or obstacles than previously. Yeah, I mean, one, for one example, people have been talking about the mental health uh, potential epidemic we've had since then, for, since you know, everyone's had to stay in and you know, there's been a lot of anxiety and you know, stress that people have had to endure. Just exactly like Kevin Love and DeMar DeRozan have opened the door to that in the NBA. Um, you could see people really not being themselves on the court um, and people really have to take that into account, especially in their- especially with